This is the Right Eye Dominant Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Right Eye Dominant Podcast. I am your host, Nick Toro Jr., and this is our first full-length episode, so welcome. I thought I would start off uh, this series with a nod to what I'm going to consider as my patron saint of photography, and I thought it would be a great subject matter to dive into. I'm speaking about the late, great Robert Frank. And if you are not familiar with the work of Robert Frank, then I hope this episode really uh, enlightens you and gets you excited about exploring his work further. And all of his visual work, really, uh, including his his films, which uh, I will get into. Um, I just hope that this is a nice tribute to a photographer who definitely changed my life and changed the way that I approach my art. And his spirit will no doubt hang over this podcast for many episodes to come. So without further ado, let's jump in to the work of Robert Frank. So where to start with Robert Frank? You know, I originally was going to treat this as a a list of five things that I love about Robert Frank, but I couldn't just keep it to five, and I also think that lists are just bait for an audience. What I decided to do instead was just to highlight some of the the things that I know and really admire about Robert Frank uh, through his career. Um, he changed the medium of photography for sure. Um, he showed us how to see the world in a, a new way. And then uh, he also, for me personally, uh, is a good example of how to stay true to your vision, how to stay true to yourself as a, an artist and a human being, and uh, not to be taken in by the false promises of fame. And, you know, especially after he released The Americans, he, he was uh, ripe for the pickings as far as uh, fame and fortune were concerned and he literally turned his back on that. Well, let's start at the beginning. Robert Frank was born in Zurich, Switzerland in 1924 um, and he actually had started his uh, photographic career in Europe but uh, he really had a desire to come to America to do work and you know a lot of his early photography he did he did do quite a bit of traveling. Um, It's interesting to think that he was in this safe little enclave of uh, Switzerland growing up uh, in a Jewish family um, that had to have uh, weighed heavily on his, uh, at least the outlook on where he wanted to uh, live his life as, as he grew up. And uh, lo and behold, he did make it to America. He originally pursued a, a commercial photography career and he had some folks on the ground in, in magazine publishing uh, in particular who were uh, trying to help him out and get him some work. But uh, I think you could uh, probably surmise by a quick overview of, of his style of photography that 
that probably wasn't going to be a good career move for him and his work probably wasn't a good fit for editorial or commercial work. One of the things that I really find fascinating about Robert Frank uh, and his, his work, definitely leading up to the book The Americans, was this, this curiosity to investigate uh, the United States of America on the road with his camera as a foreigner, seeing what American society, what American life was really like in the uh, post-World War II years. The economy was just blowing up and doing great, and there was a huge growth in the middle class, uh, and that, of course, precipitated a move to the suburbs. Uh, but at the same time, this rosy-colored picture of the country uh, did not reflect the, uh, the, the pain and the repression and the conformity that really was uh, still uh, occurring under the, the veneer of, of a happy, go-lucky USA uh, lifestyle of the 50s, specifically for people of color. Uh, specifically for people on the margins and whether that's uh, uh, poor people of any color, um, people of uh, marginalized groups, homosexuals, um, and then also including uh, foreigners new to this country, um, like Frank himself. The fact that Robert Frank drove around this country most of the time by himself with camera equipment uh, finding himself in situations where uh, he was being uh, harassed by uh, local uh, law enforcement. In fact, he spent some time in jail in Arkansas when he was pulled over and the uh, arresting officer thought he looked suspicious because he had a foreign accent. Apparently he needed a bath. Uh, he had been seen in the black part of town and uh, that he had a trunk load of uh, camera equipment. And with uh, McCarthyism in full swing, of course there was suspicion that he was maybe a communist spy. So Frank was uh, thrown in jail and that experience really uh, stuck with him. I think it really informed uh, the critical eye that he, he photographed with. The time that Frank spent on the road yielded what I think is an amazing amount of, of film. He shot 767 rolls of film. Uh, I believe most, if not all of it, was Kodak Tri-X. And uh, that, you know, if you do the math, that comes out to over 27,000 pictures. Maybe uh, in today's digital shooting where you can spray and pray all you want uh, and not have to worry about film costs and processing, one might find it easy to uh, pound out 27,000 images. What's amazing to me is that from all of that work, he distilled it down into 83 final photos that appeared in his book, The Americans. One of the valuable things about you know producing a photo book, and this is definitely something that I, I, I think about when I'm doing my own work, is the sequencing, how uh, images work together uh, either across a spread or from page to page, how they inform each other, what the subject matter uh, is, is creating almost uh, mental connections in, the, in the, the, the eye and the brain of the, the viewer. And uh, Frank 
really puts on a, a, a master class of, of sequencing in the book, The Americans. So the release of the book, The Americans, he, Robert Frank actually had to go to France to originally publish the book because he could not find an American publisher willing to, to put out the book. But after having released the book uh, in France, uh, that got him enough uh, notoriety uh, stateside to find a publisher to put out the first American edition of the book. And um, what I thought was fantastic was that uh, Robert Frank asked uh, Jack Kerouac to write uh, an introduction to the American edition. And, uh, you know, Robert Frank was actually part of the beat writer's circle, beat artists, uh, poets, painters, um, filmmakers, and photographers, uh, musicians who were based mostly in New York uh, in the 50s. I do really think that, you know, Kerouac was able to capture the fact that um, Robert Frank was a, a visual poet with the camera and even said, and this is a quote, Robert Frank, Swiss, unobtrusive, nice, with that little camera that he raises and snaps with one hand, he sucked a sad poem right out of America onto film, taking rank among the tragic poets of the world. Not everybody was thrilled with the, with the images in the Americans, and he didn't actually uh, receive overwhelming acclaim and praise, uh, particularly from the mainstream photography press. Uh, including popular photography, which uh, I think at that time really was trying to appeal to uh, an amateur photography audience. I always have to laugh when I read some of the reviews that were uh, taken from this popular photography review. Some of the writers and, uh, uh, and also the readers who, who wrote in, they were extremely negative. Um, one quote is, it's described as a sad poem by a very sick person. Uh, the editors of Popular Photography went on to deride Frank uh, for his warped, wart-covered images of hate. Um, what I find really amazing, though, is that uh, the, the book, The Americans, the images included, have not only stood the test of time, but they've influenced uh, a generation, at least uh, several generations, of photographers who followed uh, Frank's uh, lead in his aesthetic approach, his, uh, you know, the fact that his images weren't tack sharp. Sometimes the horizons weren't straight. The contrast was um, oftentimes highlights blown out or darks or, or pools of blackness. Um, subject matter where, you know, he was showing, you know, the, the less polished, glamorous, uh, carefree life of America. And uh, with that, also, I think he just set an example for bravery uh, behind the camera, getting himself into situations where, I mean, I look at some of those photos and I just couldn't imagine myself being in those environments and feeling comfortable enough to photograph. I've heard uh, critics uh, refer to the Americans as the, the photo equivalent of uh, Moby Dick or Citizen Kane. And um, it wasn't universally embraced uh, when it was first released, but its stature has only grown. And now 
clearly it's a monument of uh, you know achievement of 20th century photography that's probably the in at least to my mind uh, is the pinnacle of the art form So moving on from the Americans, what's uh, really fascinating to me is that um, with the release of the book, um, whether it was uh, reviewed favorably or not, uh, Frank found himself in the spotlight as far as uh, being a a creative photographer and figure in New York City. Uh, The notoriety of the book definitely brought him a lot of attention. Nevertheless, he was... uh, Um, not comfortable with the being in the spotlight. And uh, what's also really uh, fascinating to me is uh, the fact that he did pivot away from still photography uh, in general uh, after the success of the Americans. And he didn't abandon photography completely. I mean, as as we see through his body of work, uh, he did continue to work in still photography, but it wasn't his primary focus he put more emphasis into his filmmaking and that's another chapter of, of his creative life that if you just took uh, a look at Robert Frank, the filmmaker, um, and it, at least in experimental and avant-garde circles, Robert Frank was definitely part of a shift in American filmmaking, um, certainly nowhere near the Hollywood way of making movies. Uh, Right after The Americans and and, uh, that release, he actually worked on a film with The Beats, a film written by uh, Jack Kerouac called Pull My Daisy, Um, and it also features many of The Beats. In the film, we see Allen Ginsberg, uh, Gregory Corso, Kerouac, many others of that circle appear in the film, and the soundtrack is an improvised voiceover by Kerouac himself. To me, it's on par with uh, anything else that Frank has produced. It's a perfect time capsule of the New York art scene at that time, and probably as close to the spirit of of the beat writing that uh, Kerouac and and, and Ginsburg specifically uh, embodied in in their writing. I think that Pull My Daisy uh, is a reflection of that in, in moving images. Frank went on to uh, make numerous uh, films in his career. Uh, There is a a particular film that he made in the 70s that has maybe had more uh, mystery and controversy wrapped around it than probably anything else that he's produced. Uh, In the early 70s, Robert Frank was asked to go on tour with the Rolling Stones and create a documentary film of their American tour. Uh, Frank obviously uh, is going to do things his own way and instead of shooting just your typical uh, stage performance concert film, he decided to do a real life look at what happens in between the shows, behind the curtain as it were, backstage, in the tour bus or on the tour plane. The film itself not only documents that tour, but really shows the bad boy behavior that the Rolling Stones were notorious for at that time. There's a lot of uh, sexual uh, behavior and and imagery. There's uh, drug use. There is the kind of rock and roll debauchery 
that you would expect, but not glamorizing it. And in fact, uh, one of the most uh, dramatic scenes, I think, in the film is when we see Keith Richards uh, particularly uh, zonked out on the floor. He looks like he's asleep, but one uh, can assume at that time that he was nodding out from uh, his drug addiction. And so, needless to say, uh, after Frank uh, completed the film, uh, the Rolling Stones and their management were not too keen on the results and and did not want uh, that kind of imagery out in public. So... Uh, there was a lawsuit that ensued and uh, the settlement was that Frank could only show the film twice a year in person uh, at institutions such as museums. So there was no mass release of uh, the film Cocksucker Blues. Uh, I think just the name alone, uh, when I see it mentioned in the New York Times, they won't even print the name, which I think is kind of funny. I, I got a beat up VHS copy of Cocksucker Blues from a friend and it was horrible reproduction and that's really was the way that people were sort of bootlegging this uh, movie for a long time Um, I think if you are uh, a good sleuth online you could probably find a copy of it Um, again it's a way of of, of Frank sort of pulling the veneer off of uh, what people may have thought of as you know a glamorous uh, polished existence and showing the, the real dirty, warts-and-all reality of his subject matter. Tiring of New York and wanting uh, more peace and quiet and isolation, he and his wife, uh, who's an artist, her name is June Leaf, moved to uh, Nova Scotia, and they found a house right on the coast in a town called Mabu, the center of all creative activity for Frank for the rest of his life. Um, he did occasionally uh, end up back in New York or uh, in other places uh, to do bits of work, but really it was his time up in Nova Scotia that uh, really gave him the time and space and quiet to be alone with his work and it really is amazing to look at the later work of Robert Frank. Um, he was quite prolific. He really never stopped creating. Um, particularly in tandem with his filmmaking, he still worked in still photography. He would rework old work, old photos, old negatives into new pieces. He would collage and paint on his images handwriting scripts along the bottom of the images. He would scratch and paint uh, surfaces, re-photograph old photos. He would create collages and assemblages of uh, imagery. There's a great book uh, that really features a lot of his later work. It's called uh, Moving Out. Really a, a great you know, career overview from the very beginnings of his work, but a really nice focus on the later work. So Robert Frank, born in 1924, died 2019, remains an inspiration for many photographers and artists. Uh, Definitely, I'm on that list. And as we continue on our journey with the Right Eye Dominant Podcast, uh, I'm going to just consider good old Robert the patron saint of this podcast. So... 
that's it for me. I'm your host, Nick Toro. Thanks for taking this little stream of consciousness, I guess, journey about uh, Robert Frank with me. Uh, I hope you liked the episode. If you did, I would love a subscription, a follow, a review if you're so inclined. Or you could always just uh, send me an email. Uh, My email is in the show notes. Uh, Let me know what you think. So thanks again. Look forward to the next episode of the Right Eye Dominant Podcast. This program is a production of RightEyeDominant.art. The music from today's episode is courtesy of the Free Music Archive, the Conant Project, Lazenby Industries, Aidan Baker and Samuel Antonin, and Spinning Merkaba. Thanks for listening. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, zero.